from Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus, and sitting across the table from me, a driver and a winner, Molly Lambert. Hey, everybody. Welcome to North Mollywood. Sitting at the other end of the table from us, Molly, Beck's fanatic herself, Lily Simonson. Hey, Lily. Hey. MTV, I'm out here in the freezing cold. There's snow everywhere, and I'm making tons of Beck snowmen. And I'm going to keep making them until you come and get me and take me to Beck himself. Come before they melt. Hurry. Lily is my friend. Yeah, hi. And she was also Beck's fanatic on an episode of MTV's Fanatic from the year 2000, right when Midnight Vultures was coming out. Yeah. And... We thought it would be fun to have Lily on to talk about what the experience was like of being on MTV's Fanatic, a show that some of you may remember where they would dispense super fans of <laughs> artists to go meet them. Uh, usually it went well. <laughs> <laughs> Did it go badly? Were there times when it went badly? I feel like some of them were more awkward than others. Totally. Yeah. I mean, because you're like pairing in ordinary not even ordinary extreme goober with like a professional you know interviewee who's like used to chatting on television so i was saying though when we watched the episode yesterday lily and i re-watched her fanatic episode mm-hmm. uh for the first time for the first time just kidding just kidding I watched she it watched it time. two days ago <laughs> <laughs> said when's the last time you saw this and she said uh two days ago Wait, did you were, was it connected to the fact that you were going to do this or you were just no no just i mean i was exaggerating a little bit with the two days but i definitely um am still like coasting on the uh cultural cred I gained from being Beck's fanatic like 17 years ago. <laughs> it's kind of how I introduced me- myself to people. But the, no, I'm just kidding. Is well, this like if you're when you have to go around a room, I don't know how often you have this uh-huh. happen, but if you have to give a, a fact about yourself, is this the fact that you give? Lily has a bunch of other interesting facts about herself that yeah. she might lead okay. with. Uh, it's been eclipsed now by like other things I've done, other like crazy things. Lily's I've also done. a painter who lived in the Antarctic. Yeah. And specializes in painting deep sea creatures. Yeah. And she did a residency in the Antarctic. Yeah. And I scuba dove under the sea ice to observe the coolest creatures and landscape down there. And I think. What was the. Can I. Can I. I, Like, I don't want to take this away from Beck, and yet I. Oh, we can talk about the Antarctic. It's all related. I realized it's all related. When she was making the snowman, I was like, look, you have an interest in (laughs) snow and art. (laughs) I know. Oh, it was so funny. What was the craziest uh, uh, creature that you encountered in that world, that undersea? There were these really beautiful things called sea angels. Um, that's their common name. They're like a type of mollusk, and they look like tiny little angels with like wings, and they're translucent, and they glow this like orangish pink inside. Um, so that was probably my favorite thing. They're really tiny, but you can see them in the water. And then the landscape is insane because the sea ice is like neon green and gold and turquoise from like algae that grows in it. Also, you did one of these dives in a hot dog costume. I did wear a hot dog costume. <laughs> um, yeah, just to sort of amuse the other people on station. But then I realized later, like I got to kind of set a record. Like there are a, a few other people that have dove in Antarctica under the ice, 
but have they dove in a hot dog costume? I believe I'm the first. Let's go back to talking about what we originally brought you here for, which is Fanatic. Yeah. You sent in your videotape to Fanatic. You were chosen. Now meet your inspiration. All right, it's the it's the late 90s, I'm assuming. Yes. You are a teenage Beck fan. Mm-hmm. Did you sign up for this yourself or did because the 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 conceit of Fanatic is that you're you and your best friend. The surprise is important. Right. So right. was it a complete surprise or is it do you do you do it together and then the surprise like they get your friend gets to surprise you with the news that you have gotten into the Fanatic program? Yeah. Okay. Here's how here's how it goes down. Um I am obsessed with Beck in high school. Um I obsessively watched the show Fanatic but and kind of imagined myself on it because it's been on for a couple seasons but I'm like oh Beck would would never do that show no way um and so then then cut to me on my computer reading my Beck listserv and uh MTV posts and is like if you're a fan of Beck call this number so I called the number and then talked to the person who answered the phone for like three hours. Then I had like some more phone interviews with different producers. And then this is how they got the surprise in. Then they stopped contacting me. And I was like, oh, I guess they picked somebody else. I didn't hear from them for a while. And then all of a sudden I'm at school and my quote, my best friend who is one of my best friends, <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprises me in my like art classroom and pulls me into a limo. So I was surprised. Yeah, but, you like, said that part 100%. was hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. The that I thought was for real. sure that they told they actually going to happen. Yeah, they told my parents and my mom said that they told her if she let me know at all, they would turn around and get a different fan if they could tell I wasn't surprised, <laughs> which may or may not have been an empty threat. But anyway, it scared her straight. She didn't say anything. So it's like Miss America. There is another, there's a runner-up biggest Beck fan yeah, in the world yeah. waiting. If you're unable to fulfill your duties totally. to take the crown, there's this in another city, they, like another limo. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they put you in the limo. Mm-hmm. And then according to the way it looks on television, they like drive you to Los Angeles from Maryland. <laughs> yeah, you're getting, you're getting <laughs> out of the limo. We drive cross country in a limo. <laughs> in Ten days later. <laughs> no, they took us to the airport and then had me tell all these sort of anecdotes about Beck and, you know, how I, how, how I loved him so. <laughs> you were an evangelistic Beck fan at a time when it was harder to just give somebody a record. Like now it's easy. It's like you're like, oh, check this out. But like you had to actually do the work of buying a CD. And well, Lily was saying there's a part where she says, like, I convince all my friends to buy these Beck records because yeah. I like give them a Beck CD. And then she was like, that was probably the last time anyone ever bought a CD. <laughs> it was, was like early 2000. Right. Then. then Napster came on the scene. Right, right, right. It and like right after that. that. That Yeah, that interview comment makes me cringe a little bit because I'm like that's so doesn't make sense now also what's a CD <laughs> what's <laughs> a CD <laughs> but it was so important Los Angeles Los Angeles oh my god people definitely know Lily 
Lily as being the number one fan of Beck. If you think Lily, you're going to think Beck because she talks about him all the time. She talks about, oh, did you see what he was wearing last night in the music video awards? Stuff like that. She gives people his CDs for Christmas presents. Like, I know you don't like Beck yet, but I'm going to get you into him. And everyone likes Beck after talking to Lily. If somebody has a birthday, they're getting a Beck CD because there's no point in getting them anything else. Nothing else is worthwhile for spending your money on. You only had a limited amount of money, and you had to decide what was the mm-hmm. most important CDs mm-hmm. to spend it on. And totally. CDs cost an outrageous amount of money, and you had to walk five miles in the snow yeah. to Blockbuster Music. Uphill both ways. Yeah. 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 Totally. So you are taken to the beach? Or yeah. Are taken to a hotel first? Taken to a hotel. Where, and, where do they put you? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. Um, but I do know they took us to this art store that I ended up frequenting after I moved to L.A. many years later, Graph Aids. And they were like, they really liked that I was an artist and I made all this Beck fan art. So they were like, now draw Beck on camera. And like we went and bought all these art supplies and I made a drawing of Beck. And um, yeah. Did you bring it to Beck to be like, here's my <laughs> picture of you? <laughs> yeah, it is a little disconnected from the actual conversation. That yeah. There's just, let's do a craft activity yeah. on camera yeah. to demonstrate. Because this is how, what I would be doing all the time anyways, right. making snow people of Beck. And, right. Uh, there's like a sort of format of the show where they're like, first, before you meet them, do an activity to prove your devotion as a fan. And I had to give them a list of things I wanted to do in L.A. that was Beck related during the like audition process. And one of them was to go to Zanku Chicken uh, because... Beck sings about Zanku chicken in Deborah and it was hilarious. We got to LA and we pulled up to a Zanku chicken and the producers went inside and then they came back out and they were like, we can't let you eat here. <laughs> which, which, which is Zanku crazy. Was I don't know which Zanku this, it was. Well, there's different ones that are, there's some, yeah. that, are, some, some that are cleaner than others. No, although they're all delicious. They're all delicious, but there are some that are like aesthetically kind of, the grubbier ones are my favorite, like the one yeah. sort of on Sunset, like further from Arclight. The one by DGA looks like a Boston market, but it's not actually that. It's not as good as the, the slimy one. Yeah, I'll have everybody know that once I got back to LA under my own volition I immediately went on a pilgrimage and have been back many times to Zanku so but I like that they don't worry scouted out Zanku and we're like I know they're like, <laughs> no, no, no 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 it's a liability <laughs> so yeah instead I drew back which is probably way more entertaining than like watching me eat hummus and chicken. no I wish they had showed you eating hummus and chicken <laughs> would have been perfect so instead, they take you to the beach where Beck is filming the mixed business video yeah. while you're there. Yeah, yeah. So Midnight Vultures was out, mm-hmm. and you had already memorized everything about it. Right, right. I had been listening to it on repeat for a few months. And uh, Beck took some time out of his busy music video shooting yeah. schedule to sit in a tour bus trailer, trailer yeah. with you yeah. and yeah. talk about uh, being Beck. yeah. And the interview, as it goes on camera, is sort of short. We were saying, uh, because Lily, although she's seen the episode a lot of times, told me that she hadn't seen the full cut of the episode with the other person who's a fanatic, which is a Christina Aguilera fanatic. It's Derek. Derek. Derek, who's a huge Christina fan. Because Lily, when she originally taped it off the TV, 
used her video <laughs> editing skills to edit it to just be her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Derek got Christina a lot of screen time. was so deeply uncool to like my group of friends. Nobody I showed the video to wanted to like sit through that part. But now, like, she's like kind of still cool or something. Or she's <laughs> bad. I don't know. Now I'm like open minded enough. You know, I'm not Derek a judging teen cool. anymore. We were saying we should track down Derek. I know. That's the next step. Derek's video for that he submitted to Beyond Fanatic looks like something that would be in a Beck video. He's yes. like dressed as like, he's yes. kind of, he's sort of dressed it's as a wizard absurdist. or Christina or both. And he's on a I roof. I believe he's, he's a like, genie in a bottle. Yeah. Oh, there it is. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. And he's genie. like, yeah. And he's like yelling at people in traffic to honk if you love Christina. Yeah. And like, it just felt like one of those things that he would be in great. like. You know, and those. I felt like he got maybe a slightly longer edit because maybe Christina was she a little was, more important to the MTV audience at that point than Beck. Right. But also, um, Beck and I had did have limited time because of his shoot. And then on top of that, I took up a lot of the interview asking him questions that MTV would like never air the answers to. Like we talked about this really obscure artist, Joseph Boys for a long time who's like a German Fluxus artist from the 60s that we like both really liked and then I asked him about uh, John Waters because he was supposed to be the lead in Pecker and um, really? Yeah. I did not know that. He turned it down. Yeah. So I asked him about that. I had it in a goal as a goal to like ask him questions that no other interviewer had asked him because of course I had read like Every, every interview, interview. <laughs> then you were too too insidery i think it was like yeah kind of outside the normal realm of mtv but interviews. i like that you remember every you said you said you had really good journals from the time so you remember oh everything yeah that i wrote it up. all down afterwards yeah what is the most musical food well, uh, we ate a lot of tangerines oh, when we were yeah. making this record because we had a tangerine tree. So oh, did you? I guess, okay. yeah. What were some of the questions you asked back that did not make it on the air? Oh, I asked him, um, so his video for Sex Laws had, like, kitchen appliances humping. And so I asked him what the most sensual kitchen appliance was, which obviously, like, it's like this underage girl being like, <laughs> Beck, what, what turns you on? And he had a good answer, right? He had a, he had a couple answers. First, he said a spatula, and he cited this movie Stripes, where there's like yeah. a seduction a scene. Yeah. And then he, but then he changed his answer to a colander because he was like, "Oh wait, sensual. Let me think about that more." And he said, "Like a colander is sensual because you have like the water straining through." Um, steam, maybe if you're making pasta, there's also yeah, there's a yeah. steam element to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer, I think. Great answer, also a very Beck. Yeah, totally. To yeah, really I tried to ask it. him like zany questions. You know, I was very into being zany myself. <laughs> Obviously, if you're into Beck, you're into Zane. Lily, when we were watching the episode, she was like apologizing. Like, oh, I'm just like a teenager asking, you know, these silly questions. And I was like, these are exactly the kinds of questions I ask as a supposedly professional music interviewer. Yes. And I also say awesome just as much. I'm like, cool, cool, awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the worst. Yeah, one of the worst things is having to listen to yourself asking questions. It's one of the yeah. worst things about being I once, a professional uh, interviewer. Interviewed Gangsta Boo, and I was so excited to interview Gangsta Boo, and uh-huh. then somebody, multiple people, maybe told me that I sounded exactly like that Chris Farley SNL sketch <laughs> where he interviews Paul McCartney, and it's just like cool. Uh-huh. 
you're awesome, <laughs> Sir McCartney. And I was, it was exactly like that. I Did you have know. any moments when you asked Gangsta Boo a stupid question and then admonished yourself for the stupidity of yes, the question verbally? Yes, totally. <laughs> Stupid, 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 stupid. That was pretty, because I was also just, I was, you know, nervous to interview somebody who I liked so much. She was so cool. Yeah. Um, so I thought you did a great job. Oh, thank you, I thought you, you did a very professional. Thank you. Excellent, good job interviewing Beck. Did um, you write those questions yourself? Yeah, most of the questions I submitted beforehand as part of my, like, audition process, and then they gave me two questions that they said I had to ask at the top of the interview. And there was one that was like, tell me about your new album, Midnight Vultures and the single Sex Laws. And I was like, that's uh, really generic and boring. And they were like, do it for Beck. It'll help him sell records. And I was like, oh, okay, totally. Anything for for Beck. Beck. Anything for Beck. And well, they put both of those, qu- the boring questions. Yeah, in. yeah, because they, you know, they had to. The other one was like, tell me about the video for Mixed Business, which turned into something a little more interesting. Yeah, Because then you got to ask him about ocean creatures. About the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> they were shooting it, yeah, at Zuma Beach. And, uh, yeah, I was like, is it about lobsters? Which it wasn't, but. <laughs> but foretelling yeah foretelling. what would become a, an obsession of yours yeah i was telling molly that like i am not a beck fanatic anymore but i am still like a fanatic based artist like i'm a fan of all these like sea creatures now and i instead of like following beck on tour i follow like sea creatures around the world to like meet them and paint them you told me when i first asked you about coming on to talk about this i said what was what did they tell you when you did the interview? Did they give you any direction in the thing you said? Oh, yes. Yeah. They they asked me, they, they kept being like, no fatal attraction vibe, <laughs> which is hilarious because it implies that I was perhaps projecting a fatal attraction vibe. It's an awfully specific <laughs> note. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when is the last time you saw Beck? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't even know. Should we talk talk about my fall from fanaticism? No, we don't have to talk about. <laughs> Did something happen? I mean, well, now we have to. Well, it that's was, always my answer to that question. Is it? It was um a. I would say Midnight Vultures is the last album that was the peak, and then there was a certain period where he sort of with Sea Change he stopped making really like dancey music, um, and then. Uh, and then when he started again, he still didn't. I loved him as a performer. Like I loved him in concert, and I loved the way he like. I think he's one of the most amazing dancers on like on the planet. Like almost up there with like Michael Jackson and Justin Timberlake. But then he stopped dancing and like hired a dancer, which was an interesting move. And who knows what was behind it? But that sort of took away some of the. Drive he was for the me. best dancer in the world. He was amazing. And Midnight Vultures was so. I mean, I love Midnight Vultures, obviously. So good. Um, it was so not what anyone else was doing at that time yeah. to make like an entire Beck Prince album. Right, right. I love his it, when he does like funk. I love all sorts of Beck music, obviously. But um, yeah, the like shift away from dancing kind of uh, 
shifted me away. And you were you were becoming your own person. Yeah, yeah. You also it coincided with like not being a teenager anymore. <laughs> Mysteriously. <laughs> Well, it's weird because you do uh, it, like because this show is obviously trying to fit the narrative of your Beck yeah. fandom into a, a very standard kind of box that I assume I, I, I've watched this show probably when it was on. I don't remember yeah. all, like all the ones that I saw, but it seems like it's trying to fit it into a very standard sort of narrative of like, I'm a super fan and like no yeah. disrespect to Derek, but like that's the classic super fandom is like, oh, my God, all these songs are so great. And right. like, I can't believe it. And it's Christina Aguilera. And I'm freaking out. Yeah. But like, like it seems more like it, like the backstory. And maybe it's just because I'm talking to you now. It seems like you were actually sort of forming an identity that yeah. could be that could exist apart from Beck based on the example of Beck and the example of like, you know, that this was your encounter with a sort of, you know, your chance encounter with a very strange uh, artistic persona yeah. within the realm of pop music. Yeah, that's really deep. You maintained a love of Dadaism. <laughs> yeah, it was right. And I think that his music in the 90s was super idiosyncratic. And then he evolved to a point where he was just trying to make really beautiful music. And I love I respect that a lot, but there wasn't the like sort of personal connection where or where I felt like our interests aligned or our taste was aligning. It wasn't so much that sort of like digging through the junk. Yeah. And yeah. gluing it all together. Right. It was more like um, he became more of a uh, more pro. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. As happens to people. Yeah. As you've been doing something for like 20 years, you get really good at it. <laughs> and it's not the same as when you're like 22 and just like experimenting. No one, I, I, I can't hang out with anybody who thinks Sea Change is better than Midnight Vultures. And I feel like that's a thing. That's a Look, they do different things. All right. But I think I'm just I'm just saying there's and something about it. And this is the last North Mollywood episode. <laughs> this is our final episode. <laughs> that, that's the conflict. It's like, well, well <laughs> that's how it ends. I, I'm glad you feel me because a lot of people, like I get sort of flack for not loving Sea Change because it is such a beautiful album. And they're like, oh, you just don't understand Heartbreak and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's just a different, it's a different genre almost. I mean, it's totally a different genre, but it's, it felt like a different persona. It was an earnest expressed. album. Yeah. That was not ever the thing you associated with Beck. Was right. Not earnest. Right. And I think he got really sick of being called like ironic. Yeah, of course. Because his music was so much more than that. And it was sincere. Well, I remember there was like a spin list that was like the hun- like top one hit wonders. And they put Beck on there for loser. Even uh. though they were like, we know he's not a one hit wonder. But like couldn't he have been because this song is such a good weird one-off yeah that would be weird it's a weird thought experiment like what if he just went away after yeah that? like if he just was you know if he was the buggles or something and like hey know. the buggles have a deep discography right. <laughs> this is the last north exactly. Hollywood. <laughs> trevor horn fanatic over here just saying no that's true he went on to yeah he fine. did every he made the mr 80s he Sorry. Did. Now we should. I just always it ends with me being like Trevor Horn should work with Beck. <laughs> All roads do lead back to Trevor Horn. We <laughs> should make some uh, just big like those big those wet yeah those drum wet sounds, drums. Like, oh, I love those <laughs> wet drums. Yeah, '80s drums. Drums in a wind tunnel. Well, Lily. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Oh sure. How long is your uh, show of paintings up? Oh well, it comes down May 29th, which might be. Uh, in the past when this in aired? In the past. <laughs> but yeah, you can always check me out 
on the interwebs, lilysimonson.com. Thank you very much for coming by. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great uh, walking down memory lane. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano and Mukta Mohan for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV News and at MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.